Amen. Thank you, Cindy. What a great song and a great reminder. Let's take our Bibles tonight, please, to 1 John, the epistle of 1 John and chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1, we find one of the great promises of Scripture in 1 John chapter 1, and we use this verse all the time. We talk about it in invitation time or when we're trying to get right with God in our sin, but we're going to look at this verse in particular tonight and preach a little bit on it and what it really means. What is the ramifications and how deep the doctrine is in this one verse. And so we're going to look at that tonight. I hope it's an encouragement and a blessing to you. And I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I, I, you know when I preach, I wander. I move around a lot. And they've told me I can move a little bit in here. Uh, it's hard for me to preach in one spot. I, I get Actually, I get stomach aches from it. Uh, I guess when I'm walking around, I'm moving my muscles. But standing still, and after preaching a couple times, I so if I collapse, you'll know I'm fine. It's just I preached myself to death, all right? 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. Look at verse 9 with me. You should know this verse by heart, I'm sure. But let's, let's read it together. The Bible says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. How many of you, I think you just need to stop maybe and underline that in your Bible. He is faithful and just. Listen, can I say this? And I'm not trying to twist scripture. I'm not taking anything out of context because I believe that the rest of the Bible gives evidence to this fact. If we don't confess our sins, he is still faithful and just. Uh, that, that is not a, a, a sentence that is prerequisite on if we confess our sins. God is just faithful and just. Jesus Christ is called the just one. He is called the faithful one. But the Bible says here, as a reminder of this promise, that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let's have a word of prayer together. Father, we need your help tonight, Lord, as we look at this deep doctrine of forgiveness. We pray, Lord, that you'd open up our hearts and our minds, that the Holy Spirit of God might have full sway in our lives. Father, there's some right now in their living room, they're not listening. The message is not important because I'm preaching. It's important because it's from the word of God. Lord, I pray that we would never as preachers get to the point where our ego says, come and listen to me. But Lord, may we always point people to Jesus Christ and his precious word. And so I pray that we just take some time now and put away all our distractions. Set our phones down, put them aside. And Father, I pray, Lord, that you'd help us to open up a Bible, a a paper Bible, a book in front of us. Lord, a a book will not have a text pop up. But Lord, all these distractions of the world must be put aside that we can focus on what God has for us tonight. And then we ask that the Holy Spirit of God would speak that he would teach us, that he would move us. Lord, I know for a fact, and in particular, I'm dealing with somebody that just struggles with the guilt of their past. Father, this verse right here could put it to rest if the Holy Spirit of God could get a hold of them. I pray that you'd help that one and help others like them that are struggling. Father, we just pray, Lord, that you would fill this room, Lord, that each one of us would apply the word of God to our hearts tonight. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Right there in your living room, here's what I want you to do. I want you to read the verse out loud with me, all right? Uh, It's a verse that you've probably got memorized, but let's read it out because it's so rich in doctrinal truths that we just need to get it into our hearts. And by the way, that's where you put scripture. The Bible says, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Verse nine, read it with me. If we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, I don't expect very many of you read that out loud because nobody in this room read it out loud. And so I'm going to try it again, and we're going to see if they'll follow with me this time. All right, let's read it out together. Everybody in this room, because they might be able to hear you at home. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What a wonderful truth, and it's something that we have held on to. You probably memorized that verse as a child if you've been saved for any length of time. You know, there are some great promises of Scripture, and I would say one of the greatest promises of the Bible, if you are saved today, and one that you have realized in your life, is that Christ puts away our sin. You know, the angel proclaimed that thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, some today have taken that as a universal promise. I've met people, all kinds of people over the years that have said, well, since Christ died on the cross, I'm going to heaven. They don't make it personal. They don't take the responsibility of repenting of all other ways or whatever they're trusting and trusting only in Jesus Christ. They have not made it a decision in their life to follow Jesus Christ, and yet they believe they're on their way to heaven. As a matter of fact, if you were to survey folks in the street tonight, most would say, why wouldn't I go to heaven? I'm a pretty good person. They've invented their own gospel. But I want to say this, the putting away of our sins is essential. Now, I believe with all my heart that I don't go to heaven, I, I won't go to hell today because of my sin. I would go to hell for rejecting Jesus Christ, the remedy for my sin. You see, the price has been paid, the debt has been taken care of, but we must come to Jesus Christ by faith. Jesus died for the sins of the world, yours, mine, the lost, the saved, doesn't matter who they are, but if we reject Jesus Christ and that free offer of grace, we are bound for a devil's hell. We are lost without Jesus Christ. But here's something else we need to consider. Just because we get saved doesn't mean we're perfect. My wife and I were watching a program this afternoon a little bit, and we, uh, I, we were kind of surprised, to be honest with you. There was a religious leader from a false religious system, and, and, and typically these folks that, that come from this false religious system would, would say boldly that we are perfect, we are sinless. But this man said, I'm a very flawed man. We are all flawed. My wife and I kind of looked at each other, and we were a little surprised to hear somebody say that from this false religious system. And, uh, but it's absolute truth. We are all, the Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, there is none righteous, no, not one. We have all failed God. But the truth is, even after we're saved, we sin. We fail, and we need this cleansing power. The Bible says in 1 John 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He was writing to a saved people. He was writing to children of God, and we will look at that in just a moment. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, friends, we need to come for a daily renewal. You know, the Bible says that his mercies are new each morning. If I stopped sinning the day I got saved, I wouldn't need new mercy every morning. But I need his mercy because I'm a sinner, because I'm flawed, and I must come to him and confess my sin and know that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. I would say that if you're watching at home tonight, most of you know that. 
Most of you are aware of the fact that we must keep short accounts with God, that we must confess our sins if we're going to be right with God. If we are going to obey the Bible's uh, command to be filled with the Spirit of God, we must be clean vessels that are able to be used of God and filled with His Holy Spirit. And you understand that. But I would also dare say there are many tonight that are carrying around guilt and shame of their past. I struggle with that too sometimes. I've always had a kind of a strong sense of, of, of uh, guilt, I guess it is. I remember in Bible college, some guys came in my room and we were kind of just fooling around and horse playing. And I said, you know, if you do this, and they went and did it. I, I, I didn't even do it. But the RA came and, and I got written up for it. And I said, well, I didn't do anything. He says, well, you told them about how to do it. The practical joke. And he says, so you're going to be accountable for it. I remember not sleeping that night. I was so afraid I was going to get kicked out of school and all this stuff. The next day I got a pink slip and I had to go down to the dean's office and I went to meet with the dean and I thought, this is it. I'm going to have to get a plane ticket. I'm going home. I'm finished. And I went down and he says, what happened? And I told him and he laughed. And he said, well, this is just a warning. No horse play in the dorms. Have a good day. I'd lost the night's sleep worrying about it. So I had that, that conscience that was just dragging on me. And maybe you're like that with sin. And, and when you do something against the holy God, it just weighs on you, even after you've confessed it. You know, God doesn't want us carrying around that guilt and shame. He wants us to know how to put it under the blood. So let's give you some Bible thoughts tonight that would perhaps help you. And I want you to see, first of all, we're going to look at this in verse 9 like it's a promise. It's exactly what it is. A promise in the Bible is often comes with a prerequisite. If we do this, God promises to do this. 1 John 1, 9 is no difference. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's look, first of all, at the availability of this promise. Who is this available to? Who can access this great truth? Well, uh, the general, this is what we call a general epistle, 1 John. It is written and circulated widely in the early churches. And if you'll notice in verse 1, the Bible says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto who? Us. He's saying we have eternal life is manifested unto us, that which we have seen and heard declare we unto you that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship, yours and ours, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy may be full. This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. I think it's pretty plain from the context of chapter one that he's talking to a saved people. He's talking about fellowship around Jesus Christ, our fellowship in the gospel, knowing that we can walk in the light. In chapter two, he gets a little more personal. He says, my little children. 
Children are offspring. These are the offspring of the gospel. I just want to touch on this tonight so that you understand that this forgiveness is available for all. This cleansing and this, this washing away of our sins. If you're struggling with guilt and shame tonight, you can come boldly to the throne of grace and you can confess your sin and God will wash you afresh and anew in the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a great truth of this salvation. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says that God so loved the world. And thirdly, we also know that if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just. God doesn't just want to save you from sin. He wants to keep you from sin. And so we can confess to him. But I want to talk more in depth tonight about this second point, the aspects of this promise tonight, the aspects of this promise. I want you to notice some words that we, we pull from Scripture and they're all going to start with the letter R because I want you to help, help you to remember them. The first one is this. It's the word release. The word release. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. To forgive. That word forgive means to release us. It means to send away, to bid going away or despair. I, I, I copied the entire definition into my notes so that I could give it to you out of the Bible dictionary. It means to bid going away or to depart. Think about that. It's, it's to, when, when you're saying goodbye to somebody, you're, you're bidding them to go away and you, you know you may not see them for a while. And that's what it means to be forgiven, to release our sins, to send forth, to yield up, to expire, to let go, to let alone, to let be, to disregard, to, to not discuss any further, uh, to give up a debt, to forgive or to remit, to keep no longer. That's what it means to be forgiven. If God is somehow recording the depths of our sin, he no longer holds on to it. He releases it. You know, sometimes as human beings, we struggle with grudges. We have a hard time letting go of things. And uh, we, we can say, yes, I forgive you, but we don't give that ultimate restoration. We don't treat people like they never sinned against us. And there's a strain in the relationship. And perhaps over time it can grow back, but God has the innate ability and the perfect ability to let go of it, to release us from our sins. The second thing we want you to notice tonight is restoration. We experience release through forgiveness, but we also experience restoration. The Bible says he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, I, I purchased something uh, for my daughter a few years ago. She was needing a, she was in college and she was working and her phone gave out on her. And uh, we were a little nervous. My daughter was living down in the States and she was working often in Philadelphia and driving through that big city and I wanted to make sure she had a phone. And so I, I, got, I, I had to find some way could I get a phone in the States that would work on their networks and make sure I could get it to her. So I, I called down to this place and I ordered her a phone and I got it sent over to her. And when she got it, it turned out it was a refurbished phone. It wasn't a new one. Well, refurbished is sometimes okay, but this one had some scratches on it, which I wasn't worried about scratches on the back of it as long as it worked, but it didn't work. The antenna was broken inside of it, and it couldn't connect to a network, and everything else seemed to work on it. She could connect to Wi-Fi, and she could get her email, and she could text, and, but she couldn't make a phone call. And that's the point of a phone. So we sent it back, and I, I said, listen, we don't want the refurbished one. I, the price on the website was for a new phone, and we, 
And they said, we're sorry, we just got it mixed up, so they sent her a new phone. Maybe you've purchased something that's refurbished before. You know, the Bible does, never says that God refurbishes things. He says, behold, all things are made new. We are a new creature in Christ. God doesn't just refurbish. He doesn't just clean us up. When the Bible says here that he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness, it literally means like we never sinned. He doesn't just wash us. Listen, when the Bible says that we are washed by the water of his word and we are washed by the blood of the lamb, both those words uh, sound like we're getting cleaned up. But friends, what he is actually doing is making a new creature in Christ. That blood is not just a blood that washes and the water of the word is not just the water of wa- that washes. It is a supernatural blood and it is a supernatural water that gives us new life in Jesus Christ. We are restored and made new. It has a Levitical sense to the word. It is the priest declaring somebody. In, in, in Leviticus, I, I never thought about this, but in Leviticus chapter 14, there's a great passage of scripture. If you have leprosy and, and you are clean and you are made clean, you go to the high priest and you offer him an offering of thanks for, for being made clean. But here's, here's the catch to that. If the priest looks upon you and says you're clean... It is literally against the law for anybody else to say you're unclean. What a wonderful truth when the great high priest declares you clean, you're clean. Thirdly, the aspects of this promise. Oh, I like this. He remembers it no more. He remembers it no more. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 8. You can hold your finger there in 1 John 1, 9 unless you have the scripture memorized. You might by now. We've said it so many times. Look back just a few pages in Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12. Great truth of the Bible. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10, just a couple pages forward. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 17. And their sins... And iniquities will I remember no more. You know, I've heard a lot of preachers over the years, but I've only remember a few messages. One that I remember was when we opened up our new platform in 2013, and we had, uh, I can't remember the name of the preacher. I can remember his message. Who was the preacher? The evangelist and uh, wrote some children's books and things, and we had him in. He's preached at camp several times to the kids. Anyway, we had this preacher in, and he preached a message from Hebrews chapter 11, and if you're listening, you might, you might remember it. And he talked about uh, uh, the folks, the heroes of the Bible, Moses and different ones throughout the Bible, and David, and those that were heroes of the faith. And, and it talked about all their exploits and how they were pleasing unto God, and he would, take, he would step aside and say, but that's not how I remember it. I remember David's sin with Bathsheba. I remember his murderous tactics to cover up his sin. And then he went on to the next one. He remembered Abraham. He said, but I remember. And I remember Lot. The Bible calls him just Lot. He said, but I remember when he sinned and pitched his tent towards Sodom and ended up in a, in a city full of uh, uh, sinful uh, idolatry and homosexuality and offering up his daughters to the wicked men of the city. And he says, I remember something very different about Lot. But he says, 
And you might remember him illustrating person after person from Hebrews 11. And he says, but here's the difference. Hebrews chapter 8 and Hebrews chapter 10 say, their sins will I remember no more. He says, God had cleaned them. And God had put away their sins far from them. Isaiah chapter 43 verse 25 says, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine own sake. And will we not remember thy sins? God says, I, I do it for me too, not just for you. I don't want to remember all that filth. So he releases us, he restores us, he remembers our sin no more. But then look at Romans chapter 8, he renders us righteous. He renders us, listen, to take away our sins is mercy. To declare us righteous is grace. We certainly do not deserve it. Turn to Romans chapter 8, what a great passage of the Bible, Romans chapter 8. Look at verse 31, right near the end of the chapter. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who, listen, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who, who can accuse the saints of anything? God has made us righteous. It is God who justified. It is Christ who died. Listen, friend, if you're struggling with guilt and shame, I, I want you to get into Romans 8. Memorize those last few verses and understand when that devil points his finger at you and says, you're no good, you're rotten, you're a sinner. You can look right back at him and say, who are you? Who are you to condemn? Christ died for me. Who are you to lay anything to the charge of God's elect? What are you trying to do to me? It is Christ that died. It is God that justifieth. Who are you that condemneth? He has rendered us righteous. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 18 says, Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Here's another definition from 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. Christ redeems. Redeems. We're talking about if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But in order for that to happen, the Bible tells us he redeems us. Look at Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and verse 13, the Bible says, Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity. Iniquity is the propensity to sin, the desire to sin, and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Listen, when Christ saved you from your sins, the Bible says he redeemed us. That means to purchase us back. 
We were slaves to sin. We were children of iniquity. The Bible says we were children of the devil. We were children of disobedience. There's so many things that we, we were called as, as those that were fallen in nature and away from God. But now we are translated in the kingdom of his dear son. He has redeemed us and purchased us from the slave market of sin. Here's another word we can associate with 1 John 1, 9. He removes our sin. He doesn't just... He doesn't just restore us. He doesn't just forget or remember no more. The Bible says he actually removes it. Let me just read a verse to you. Psalm 103, verse 12. But as far as, as, far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Turn, if you will, to Micah. I'm going to read that verse again because it's a good one. But turn, turn to Micah in the Old Testament. Micah. Chapter 7, Micah chapter 7, verse 18. As far as the east is from the west, as far as he hath removed our transgressions from us. Look at Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee? Listen, that pardoneth iniquity. And passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou will cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. We sing songs about that, do we? Don't we? As far as the east is from the west into the depths of the deepest sea. I remember as a kid singing that song, gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. What a great reminder that God has removed all of our sins. That's the aspects of this promise. Let me go over them quickly. He releases us. Friend, if you will confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. That means he releases you. He will set you free. He will restore you and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. He will remember them no more. The Bible says I have blotted them out and I will remember no more. He renders us righteous. He has justified us. That means we are declared righteous in the sight of God. We are washed as white as snow. He redeems us. He has purchased us from the slave market of sin and he removes our sin and as far as the east is from the west. But let me give you the accessibility of this promise. The accessibility. Back in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9, it says this, if we confess our sins. In other words, you have to humble yourself. Now understand this, the word confess there does not mean that we have to dig deep into our hearts and Find out everything that's wrong with us and bring it before God. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit is already doing that. The word confess literally means to agree with, to consent to. It's like if you were in some sort of trouble and you were standing before a police officer and he wrote out a statement and said, well, here's what I think happened. And he reads all this to you. He says, well, you did this and you did that. And here's the next thing you did. And it led to this and it caused you to break this crime. And you are just going to look at him and say, guilty. I agree. 
Would you then sign this confession saying that you did all these things and that you are guilty of this crime and you just put your name at the bottom and say, yes, sir, I did all those things. I, I was wrong and it may not have been on purpose. It was a, an accident to say, per se, but I, I, just, I, I just have to agree with the charges before me. That's what the word confess means. You see, without knowledge of the law, there is no sin. I dare say there are some that have not been saved for very long and we're continuing in some habits and some things that are not pleasing to God. And, you know, sometimes as self-righteous Christians, we like to point the fingers at, well, they're not very big, strong Christians yet, are they? They're still on the milk and not the meat. Sometimes we look down at that. We need to let the Holy Spirit do the work. Because when the Holy Spirit comes along, all we have to do is agree with him. Listen, can I say this? When you're walking with Jesus and the Holy Spirit pricks your heart, it's so easy to say, you're right, I'm guilty. When we're not walking with Jesus, we fight it. And we don't want to agree with God that it's sin. We, we try to justify our sin. We try to say, well, this isn't as bad as some other thing or uh, so-and-so's doing it or everybody's doing it. And no, we can't justify our sin. To confess means to agree with God. When we read something in the Bible and it says we're wrong, we're wrong. When the Holy Spirit pricks our heart, we should get on our face before a holy God and beg him for forgiveness because the Bible just simply says, just agree with me. If you'll confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive. Listen, read in that scripture and tell me where it says we have to say we're sorry. No, we do, don't we? God, I'm sorry, I sinned again, I failed. But God is so merciful and so loving and so gracious that as soon as I say, you're right, God, he says, I forgive you. God, you're right, I sinned, you're forgiven. I'm sorry, God, I already forgave you because you confessed it. You've confessed it. You've agreed with me that you're wrong. And from here, you'll begin to change. But we must confess. Come to him humbly. Then let me see, show you the assurance of this promise. We're almost done. The assurance. He said, how do I know? The one that I've been talking to and that's been really struggling with guilt and shame of their past, they just can't seem to believe that God would forgive them. Here's how you can know for sure. Because he is faithful and just. That's it. I don't have any deeper Bible truth than that. If I, I can't convince you anymore that God is a just God and God is a faithful God. One of his names is the just one. One day you will stand before God and all the nations of the world will stand before God. The Bible says death and sea will give up their dead and they will stand before God and the books will be open and we will stand in judgment and we will thank God on that day that he is a faithful and just God. Friends, you need to trust it now. You need to believe today that when he said, I will forgive you of your sin and I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness, I'm doing it because I am faithful and I am just. He said, can I really believe? Let me say this. Remember who's making the promise. Remember who's making the promise. You know, every once in a while, I've sold a couple things on Kijiji, uh, local trading post, whatever you want to call it, and you take a picture of something and you put it online. And I, I, I got to admit, I don't like doing it. I've, I've done it a few times, but the reason I don't like doing it and sometimes I just will throw something out because it's not worth the hassle. 
Well, you're gonna, you'll make $100 off that thing. Yeah, but you don't understand. I'm going to have 37 people call me. I'm going to have 37 people promise they're going to show up at this time and pick it up and give me the money. And I have 37 people that never show up. And it gets frustrating. I, I, I sold something for Frank one time, and I, I had over 100, 100 contacts that wanted it. Over 100 people. But you think it, when it came time to get the money together, when it came time to come and, and pick it up, and it, it was just it was days and days and days of, of people making commitments and backing out, people not showing up when they said they were, it becomes frustrating. And, and so we, we put our faith in the world, and people will shake your hand, and they'll, they'll sign a contract, and we wonder, will it ever come to pass? Listen, remember who's making the promise. It's God. We, we, we learned this morning, he is not a man that he should lie. He is God. He is the faithful and the just one. Listen, friends, are you struggling? Sometimes we struggle with sin because we're afraid to come to God with it. He already knows. That's all tied up in there with that if we confess. In other words, God already knows. You just have to agree with him on it. You just have to come to the point where you say, you know what, God, you're right, I'm wrong. And I'm just going to give it over to you. Because then we'll find that he is faithful and just and he will forgive us of our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Right where you are, would you bow your heads and close your eyes tonight? Maybe you're afraid to come to God. Know this, he is faithful and just. Maybe you're fretting because you're wondering, is, will I ever get rid of this guilt? Remember this, he is faithful and just. He's not going to make a promise that he will not keep. He has promised you that if you'll confess, he'll come and cleanse your life and forgive you. That means to remove it, to put it away, to to render it useless in your life that you will be an overcomer by giving it all to Christ. Right where you are, spend some time with the Lord in prayer.